Red Business Podcast with CompuB, building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com. And you're very welcome to this Red Business Budget Special. I'm Jonathan Healy. Thank you very much for joining us. We are in the Republic of Work to talk about what Pascal Donahue announced in his first budget speech this week. As, as Bruce Forsyth, the late Bruce Forsyth, would have said, didn't he do well? He managed to get through it without falling over. He kept it to an hour, as was promised, and he threw no major surprises into the mix. But what does it mean for our pockets? What does it mean for the companies that operate in this city that we call home? And what does it mean about where this country is going? With me on our panel this afternoon, we have Thomas McHugh, who is Director of Policy and External Relations at Cork Chamber. We have Caroline O'Driscoll, who is a tax partner at KPMG. And we have Gráinne McGuinness, who is a journalist with the Irish Examiner and the Evening Echo. Can we have a round of applause for our guests, please? I want to begin, first of all, with your thoughts, folks, as to what you made of the budget yesterday. And I suppose, Tom, we'll go to you, first of all. From a Chamber perspective, what was it? Did it work? Well, I think um, it's no secret that it was a very moderate budget yesterday. It was about keeping everything on an even keel. Um, the government repeatedly referenced, you know, they're moving towards, like, incremental three years, steps within the budget. Um, there were some, some good gestures towards, for example, the housing, housing crisis in the country. Um, we can probably get to that a bit later, but equally there's some things we'd like to see more of, particularly supports and tax for, for startups, for, for one-man bands. Um, so I suppose, look, like everything, there's just kind of a, a mixed review, but on, on, on balance it was balanced. You're not actually mentioning, you're not promoting actual people to set up one-man bands with the symbol on the back and the drums, but uh, one-man businesses, I'm presuming. Okay, we'll go to, uh, uh, we'll go to Ka- Caroline next. Caroline, from a taxation point of view, they didn't do too much. Yeah, it was like it was like a trifle. It was a little bit of everything thrown into the mix. Um, there were some things, I suppose. That's that better than the one-man band <laughs> you came up with. By the way, you win the pawn competition. Um, I suppose you know very much we welcomed the twelve and a half percent rate and the commitment around that. I think that's very important for certainty in business, particularly given the amount of multinationals that are here in the region. Um, but disappointed with the lack of imagination around entrepreneurs and a little bit more could be done there. Some good measures around share options, no mention of the entrepreneurially for for capital gains tax. So a bit of a mixed bag, uh, to be honest. And and Caroline, you were, uh, sorry, I'll do it again. And Gronje, you were out and about on the streets of Cork yesterday gaining and garnering people's reaction to it. How did they react? Did did it even make? The general reaction was was very underwhelmed. It was a kind of a, a shrudge of a response um, from a lot of people. People did mention specific specific um, moves. I mean, in, in, the extra uh, nurses and guards were mentioned by one or two people that they were glad to see it, but it was also mentioned that, you know, given what they're paying them, w- will they actually come come to fruition? Like, um, in terms of finances, at the end of the day, most people on the streets you speak to are worried about what's in their pockets. And in terms of that, what this budget has delivered is a teeny bit more for everyone. So nobody was getting excited about a life-changingly different amount of money, be it social welfare or be it, you know, your, the famous squeeze middle, even, you know, even the upper end, people aren't gaining hugely because they're going to lose out in other areas. But you see, I got very excited yesterday because I did the calculation on this and I said, how much is this going to be worth to me and in my pocket? And it worked out between the two of us, it was going to be about 600 quid. Now, that's lovely, 600 quid. That's, you know, depending on how excited we are, that could be half a holiday or a good night out. Uh, And then I realised, well, hang on a second, they're reducing the mortgage interest relief on my house that I bought at the height of the of the uh, boom, uh, which means that they're taking 600 quid back out. So it, we, we really are left as we were by this budget, aren't we? 
Um, a, a little bit better off, I mean, depending on your, your profile in terms of if you've got the mortgage interest relief, but like not huge changes. It's, it's averaging about five or six euros a week um, for, for most people. Which is a, a very modest point. Very modest. Mo that'll yeah. be about the most of it. Um, Thomas, do, do you think people will view this as what Pascal Dunne, who said it is, which is we have delivered a balanced budget. We should be proud of that. We've had 10 years of roller coaster budgets. This is normal, and strangely enough, normal is good. Well, I think uh, I was actually speaking to a senior civil servant in Dublin recently, and he his comment was, if I delivered a very boring budget for the next 10 years, I'd see that as a career a career success, right? A career well spent. He's obviously put um, down about 10 <laughs> years. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, he, he's doing well at the moment. But, but I, so I think, look, there's, got, there's obviously going to be frustrations. I think like every sector will be looking at different things that they could do better. But for example, I think we see some good and significant progress in terms of capital investment. And you don't see that, you know, that's not in your pocket in a given year. But that's good long-range future planning for the country uh, for growth and expansion. I think also you see the rainy day fund, and I think like anybody who's look anybody who's experienced, whether it's true relatives or personally, everything that happened over the last ten years here in this country, would agree that if we potentially have to be prudent in some spaces, um, that it's the right thing to do for the future. Mm, and w you mentioned infrastructure, and I think really, Grania people would have been waiting to hear certain words yesterday. Cork Limerick being Cork, Cork one Limerick bit. Motorway would have been, um, uh, you know, people are, have been waiting for that for a long time. It's seen as hugely important in terms of the development for the Cork area and the Limerick area, and it's been, been pushed down the road and down the road. Now, Leo is coming to visit us, thanks to Cork Chamber on Friday, so maybe we'll get more specifics, but there was definite disappointment. And then other infrastructure projects, there's also the motorway down to Ring down Skiddy. to Ring of the N28, the N28, which would um, uh, facilitate move, move business there in Ring of Skiddy in terms of the heavy port, but would also free up Port of Cork for commercial development, for um, hotels, um, commercial premises, building, which is seen as very important to the development of the city centre. So it was it was disappointing that we don't have specifics on that, but maybe but we're you see going now to the hear. great thing is being here in Republic of Work today with our audience and and everyone on the panel. Thomas is going to tell us the real reason why Leo Varadkar is coming this Friday. He's going to announce the motorway, Tom, isn't he? <laughs> well, look, Jonathan, that, that would be great. <laughs> Just between friends. There's no need to tell anybody else. Yeah, you don't yeah. know, do you? We might, might have to take your 600 uh, euro fund there for a night <laughs> out if that's the case. That won't build the motorway. Um, look, I mean, um, the, the capital plan is where we would like to see that referenced. Um, I suppose it's not surprising that it's not name-checked. It's not typical in an Irish budget to name-check those types of... I suppose what really is kind of fine-grained specific projects. Like we're pushing very, very hard for that to be in the capital plan. We've been up with government, we have our socio-economic reports, we're putting the evidence behind it. That type of evidence resonates really well with government, you know, and it kind of puts the M20. I mean, everyone knows it's the next critical piece of infrastructure for Ireland, but also we're able to back that up with figures. Um, so, look, I mean, we absolutely expect and are absolutely pushing for it to be in the capital plan. And look, w when we d delve into this, Caroline, uh, the, the balanced budget is a good thing, but when has he balanced it right? I mean, he's expecting a lot to come from areas that are untested, so he's expecting X amount to come from the sugar tax. He's expecting X amount to come from commercial stamp duty, which has gone from 2 to 6%. There's a lots of ifs and buts and maybes that uh, will lead to a balanced budget, isn't there? Absolutely. Now, what he said, and he's, he spoke about this last night, um, that he has taken the advice from the department around this, but we would challenge some of the assumptions around the commercial property tax in particular, the stamp duty increase. Um, Explain to people, I mean, a lot of people would have heard that yesterday, but mm -hmm. how is that going to be applied? Who's it, it won't affect me if I'm selling my house, because that's covered by property no. tax, 
But so if this building I'm in right now correct, was to be commercial sold. property. Yeah. So the sale of commercial property, stamp duty has increased now from 2% to 6%. So you sell this building in the morning, it's a 6% um, additional tax, I suppose. And he's hoping to raise 376 million by doing that next year. But when you work the maths of that backwards, that is an assumption that there's going to be about nine and a half billion euro of property sales in the commercial sector in the next 12 months, which sounds extraordinarily high. Very optimistic. It's very optimistic. Um, Sugar tax is another interesting one. I think what we'll probably see there is behavioural change, I think, in the industry. So looking at low sugar alternatives. So whether or not that will raise tax is another question and that's a difficult difficulty so there are two big ones where it's unclear or uncertain as to what the outcome might be mm. and and i suppose we'll have to wait and see because it's all very much dependent on that the sugar tax did that come up when you were talking to people yesterday on the street um when it where it came up people approved of it People like the idea people, of the sugar tax. People were happy with it. I had a grandmother say that it breaks her heart trying to keep them away from, from grandchildren. You so see, grannies no say it. that. But what grannies actually do is grannies are the worst pushers of sugar <laughs> that ever exist and they're in denial. But So she's saying this will put her off. She is, and I, I had nobody object particularly to the sugar tax. The only thing one woman did suggest was that um, you know the drinks manufacturers are very clever at working around maybe introducing other ingredients to, uh, to avoid actually having sugar in it, but they may not actually be much healthier, you know, whether it be aspartame or whatever, that was suggested to me. But in general, the sugar tax was, was broadly welcomed. The sunbed tax was also welcomed. Um, it's seen as, you know, it's not really a, a money raiser. It's just a way of, of trying to encourage behaviour. The cigarettes then tax was entirely broken down on whether you were a smoker or not. People who don't smoke think it's great. People who smoke are saying, ah, will you give us a break? Yeah, another 50 cent. I don't smoke. I don't care. Um, I do care about the sugar tax because I'm, I'm, I'm fond of the old can of fizzy the odd time. I, I was looking at something online the other day, which is a report from 1980. Now, 1980, there's very few of us in this room who will remember it. I, I'll pay you all that compliment. But uh, it was the year where there was massive cuts. It was the year of Hahi and his Charvet shirts. And uh, they showed a report in Cork of what was happening. They were taxing cars. They were taxing stout. They were taxing whiskey. They were taxing soft drinks back then as well. We got away very lightly in this budget because none of the other liables, apart from fags, and, and the odd bit of fizzy stuff, uh, managed to come across as being taxed more. Uh, we will take a momentary pause to mention our sponsor. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB Business, improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompuB.com. And this is the Red Business Budget Show, which is quite difficult to say, but I managed to get it out that time. And on our panel, we have Thomas McHugh from Cork Chamber, Carolina Driscoll from KPMG, uh, of course, with Irish as well, and IT at Cork, and Grania McGuinness, who's a journalist with the Irish Examiner and the Evening Echo. Uh, the government was criticised last year, guys, for not mentioning Brexit enough during the budget speech, uh, which was kind of understandable because we had only just found out that it was going to be a thing. This year, there were certain elements in it that referenced Brexit. Are you happier that we're more Brexit-ready now, if I can put it that way, Caroline? 16 times he mentioned it, actually, in the in the speech yesterday. Um, so we have this new fund. You were counting. Um, we were counting, <laughs> yeah. that's We're accountants, unfortunately, in our DNA. <laughs> that's what you do. I can't help it. Um, but 16 times he mentioned it. Um, look, it's it's critically important. Um, we've got this new fund. I think it's 750 million um, that's available. But actually, I do think there's a, a dissemination kind of campaign that needs to be had to actually get the information out to companies as to what to do. So when, you know, when we moved from the punt to the euro, there was a huge campaign around that, just to help companies actually, how do I prepare for Brexit? 
the challenge with Brexit is that I suppose there's so many unknowns. But again, I think we need to start helping companies, talking to companies. What are the things you need to look at over the next while and that might affect your business? Tom, this is something big for the Chamber. You're trying to not only court business to bring it to Cork, but you're also conscious of the fact that a lot of your members are exporting and they're hurting because of, of what's going on. Part of this money is to encourage them to look at other markets, maybe to, to expand outside of their tradi traditional British destination. Is there enough? Um, well, there's, um, there's 300 million, Jonathan, in funding for uh, loans to be made available to business. I think it's an interesting move. I suppose it puts, it puts cash out there, but equally what it does is it, it, puts in, it, uh, it puts the impetus on business to find the solutions in a way. It's a, in a way, it's about empowering businesses, so that's a good gesture. Whether it's enough will be, you'll have to kind of watch the uptake of that over the course of the year. If it's oversubscribed, of course, we'll say there's not enough. Equally, if it's, not, if it's undersubscribed, we'll be wondering why is that not working. Um, and then the other kind of, uh, well, there's, there's three kind of big things on Brexit, but the, there's 23 million allocated to, to our network of fantastic agencies that, that advocate for Ireland overseas. So we have Enterprise Ireland, we have, you know, the IDA, we have all of our, our embassies and ambassadorial, uh, our diplomats, there's 23 million there for staffing, right? And I suppose, the, again, you know, with this being kind of an even keel, maybe not the, the headlines, you know, it's, n it's not sensational. But what you see with that type of investment is relationships being built over time. And what you would like to see is that over a number of years that we are as well known in other markets where we're currently not known as we are in the UK. Um, I suppose it's like the equivalent conversation in Australia where it's very easy for them to focus on China, um, you know, and Asia. It's, it's, ad it's adjacent to them and it's a booming space. We've, we've done the exact same with the UK for, for a very long time now. It's, um, there's a language barrier. Um, it's not there, so th so there's those kind of natural compliments, and that's why we've become over. And we have to kind of, we always have to train ourselves out of Britain. It's, it's like, uh, there's probably a romantic analogy in there that I'm not coming up with properly, but we're kind of over them, really, and we need to be over them in case this happens. Yeah, I think I think another critical space, um, you know, that is in my opinion entirely uh, or interlinked with Brexit is is the nine percent VAT for for hospitality. Okay. You see, and I genuinely thought yesterday that that was going to take a hit because, and I'm conscious of hoteliers in the room who will tell me that it's not necessarily the case everywhere. But in Dublin, hotels are jam packed every night; they don't need the nine percent. But he kept it. He said it was important to keep it. Uh, well, I think it's absolutely essential to keep it right now. Um, I think you you have to. It's not just hotels. It's it's the restaurateurs. It's the it's the small business owners in places like West Cork who are particularly vulnerable to to Brexit uh, to vi to British visitors. We've seen a drop off of about six percent of British visitors. Um, I think the spend drop off is about eight percent as a result of that. I thought that hits people right. So the last thing you want to be doing is pushing up fat. And actually, we would have liked to have seen a bit more happening there. Uh, we were pushing very hard for increased marketing for Ireland as a destination overseas. Um, there's increased uh, capital investment in tourism infrastructure by about 13 million. We were calling for about 12 there, just, just to push out the message that Ireland's again, a great these destination. Are all, uh, it was described yesterday as a nip and tuck budget. Maybe mm. they're the nips and tucks that might happen next year. And again, we'll know more about what the British are actually up to at that point, and we can plan for Brexit. Uh, the one thing, Gráinne, that was talked about a lot yesterday was housing because it is the pressing issue of the day for government. It eclipsed health, which will tell you how much uh, emphasis is being put on this by not just the Doyle, but by the wider population. There was a lot announced on housing. 
Will it work though? Well, there was there was a lot announced, but there was nothing innovative particularly about it. It it was it was a continuing and a continuation and an extension of of a lot of what the government has already been doing. Um, setting aside the set seven hundred and fifty million for further commercial investment, uh, hopefully that will be seen as a success. But one woman I spoke to yesterday when we were talking about housing, she just said, is there anyone up there with any other ideas? She said there was nothing there was nothing new about it, and I, and I kind of agree with her. I mean, coming up with plans where there'll be an extra 3,000 houses by 2021, that's not going to address the extremely serious issue that we have here in Cork and further beyond and right I, it now. It felt to me as if, you know, politics, they could only deal with so much over the course of the last decade because there was an awful lot going on, but now this has really come back to bite them. And the, it's the lag effect. It's the fact that if they make a decision now, it'll be three years before we start to see an improvement in it. And it's a real political challenge, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously this is a huge priority in terms of the homelessness crisis. Um, I think there's two challenges, actually. So we've got an immediate issue with homelessness that we have to address. Um, and there is a question as to whether that's enough. A lot of charities have come out overnight saying that this is just not enough. Um, and then there's a secondary issue in the medium term. Um, we're seeing it here in the region around actually housing and the price of housing and the, the price of rental accommodation. So with my IT at Cork hat on, we see a lot of members talking to us about uh, talent that's coming in from overseas, but they can't find somewhere to live or find somewhere to live within a reasonable cost and they're going back home. So I mean, you know, that's this potentially devastating for companies that are trying to establish themselves and grow talent and, and become bigger. Absolutely. Um, we actually surveyed our members earlier the year, in the year and they're predicting that they have the capacity to grow 86% of them have the capacity to grow their headcount within the next three years. But there's a serious challenge as to where that talent comes from. A lot of that talent actually comes from overseas, particularly in technology. But they need somewhere to live. Um, and it's the, when we surveyed members, the top two issues were talent and housing. Housing very strongly, over half members very, very concerned. So I think this requires a bit of imagination. Absolutely, we have to deal with homelessness absolutely is a priority but in the medium term we have to think about the cost of housing in the country and, and thomas that's the big challenge if you talk to anyone who's involved in developing properties at the moment they say still not enough money to justify us going in i mean how long are we going to hear that argument before we start seeing construction well i mean there okay so again if looking to yesterday's budget there is a 750 million euro fund now to make finance available to developers in principle, what that should do is to enable some of the smaller developers who can't get access to capital or can't make it work potentially because capital is too expensive. Maybe there's a certain degree of risk apportioned to that sector that um, you know they're not people aren't willing to take a punt on them. So the idea is that they can access that and use it to bring housing to market. I think there could potentially have been a trick missed, right, in terms of. Um, in terms of uh, incentivizing institutional investment in the rental space. Um, I think that that's probably one of the Achilles heels and in truth I think it could alleviate a lot of the other symptoms of the housing crisis. You've got people renting accommodation that's not really, f not really designed for rental. You've got family homes being used up by young professionals where they could be suburban family, like idyllic homes for, for young families. So I think our, the nature of our housing stock should also be addressed in the budget and I think like when you talk about those young IT professionals, like they don't want to come and live five miles away in a suburban house. They want to come, you know, live downtown, not have a car, mm. um, be able to walk to the pub, walk to the restaurants. But you see, we you have know, all the opportunity here in Cork of where the construction is going to take place that in theory should fix that, but only when they start building the bloody things, which they're not doing right yeah. now. And I, and I think actually this comes back to some integrated planning, actually, at a very fundamental level. So you're going to throw up a big, massive office block 
you've got to think about well, where, where are those people going to live. So where's the complementary apartment block, etc., to accompany that? And I think that's part of an integrated planning solution. Mm. Um, I, I just have to put it to each of you. Uh, it's not an accusation as such against you, but an accusation against the government. It was all very boring. It just didn't do much for anybody. We all walked away yesterday expecting to feel something, but we didn't get anything, Gronia. I th I think it was a, a deliberately cautious budget. I deliberately mean, I boring. Mean, I, I deliberately boring. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think I think what none of us are mentioning is that it's very likely to be our quite possibly going to be the last one before um, an election. And so I think there was a very deliber deliberate effort made to ensure that no one major cohort of voters has is furious over something. So a little for social welfare, a little for the pensions, a little for business, and just keep it very on a very even keel. Tom, why was it so boring? Well, I mean, I think it's experience. Again, I referred to the economic cycles earlier. I mean, um, I think there's there's a consciousness in Ireland. I think there's... I think it's reflected in our politics today. We don't expect big ticket um, kind of giveaways in a budget anymore. I think that's as it should be. I think key issues need to be addressed. Um, I think like, um, you know, when, when you look at that kind of long, ter long term financial planning, we don't want to be going from boom to bust again, Jonathan. So uh, I would say a little bit boring is OK. Again, it's not without criticism, but I just think those big, those big uh, headlines are... Yeah, are, no, they're, they're not good. Now, the only person day. here, as, and I think you've referenced this already, Caroline, you love boring in accounts. Boring accounts are fantastic. Absolutely. We're, we're so, yeah, I can't really allege that anyone's boring when I'm an accountant myself. <laughs> um, but look, you know, the fundamental debit and credit system books have to balance, unfortunately, at the end of the day. Um, I think politics played a little bit of a part here, for sure. It was certainly non-controversial uh, and didn't really offend very many people, is probably the read. Okay, and we haven't even talked about the most controversial element of the budget yesterday, which was the 23% increase in VAT on sunbeds. And I don't know, I don't know of any of you here, there's a few people in the audience who may have used sunbeds in the last couple of days, I won't name names, but uh, in, in general that was the only thing that caused a little bit of eruptions yesterday, although most people will survive, the sun has started to shine again. Uh, can we hear it for our panel on the Red Business Budget Special? Thomas McHugh of Cork Chamber, Carolina Driscoll of KPMG, and Gronia McGuinness with the Irish Examiner and the Evening Echo. That is it from this special edition of Red Business to follow on from Budget 2018. My thanks to Nia Hennessy who helped put it all together. We'll catch you on the next one. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Apple technology and solutions for your business. CompuB.com.